0: You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly Visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome and good morning, listener. This is episode 85 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. And I just want to warn you before we get started right off the bat. Number one, if you're not subscribed and you're not following this podcast, it means you're not getting a notification every Tuesday morning when we release a new episode. And If you've listened to the podcast, even once you've heard me say that, but I'm reiterate, go ahead and give us that like, not only are you going to get a notification, but you're also going to help us by telling the algorithm that this is worthwhile content. So if you're on Apple podcasts, hit that check mark, hit follow. If you're on Spotify, hit the heart, whatever that looks like on your platform of choice. Number two, I'm telling you guys, uh, you are in danger because Nathan Van Horn cannot be here with us today so the, that means the guardrails are things. down
1: the guardrails are the, down
0: <laughs> so we we are we are bowling with no gutter rails right now That's right. that means a couple of things that means that you're there will be no singing there's a high chance that there will be no singing which is bad um there's no one to stop us about talking about circumcision yet again and there's no one to stop us for this being the second 40 minute episode yeah oh all, all those things nathan guards against and now yes. here we are yes um, and Matt, it's actually funny. We had a, a listener write in and say the saying, thank you for not making me endure multiple episodes about circumcision. Well, <laughs> listener jokes on you <laughs> Hey, because we're going back in.
1: Yeah. Hey, listen, we didn't write the Bible. The
0: Bible keeps bringing it up. That's just, right. We
1: are just bringing it. We're going forward in the text and
0: we're just trying to honor what's there. Yep. Uh, so speaking of the text, I presume we're going to, we're going to be in Genesis 17 and we left off in verse 22. So I, yes. that's, I presume that's where we're bringing up again. We're going to pick up in verse 22
1: and we're going to go to the rest of the chapter, but don't let your heart be troubled. This whole episode is not going to be about circumcision. We're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about theophanies. And if you remember that from a few episodes ago, uh, you probably know where this is going. We're going to revisit that, and we're also going to revisit circumcision. So two things today, and uh, Gandalf, why don't you start off by reading uh, Genesis 17, through the end of the chapter?
0: All right, here we go. And as always, this is from the ES. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house or bought with his money every male, male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael his son was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his house, those born in his house and those bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. Mm. very good, very good. So we are
1: picking up where we left off and we're going to start by looking at verse 22. So Gandalf, when you look at verse 22, it, it just, honestly, it seems like flyover country because it seems like a, just a quick comment. When he had finished uh-huh. talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Uh, when you read that the first time, did did that just jump out at you that that could mean something? Or does it just seem just like peripheral comments?
0: Well, I mean, in, in light of everything else that's in here, it seems like a peripheral comment. But now that I'm looking at it, it, it's not. That's pretty significant, isn't it?
1: Right. So what do you, when you're reading this in English, how
0: does this strike you? I'm imagining like God, like talking with Abraham and then like ascending upward. I'm think I'm like imagining it probably the same way I would imagine when Jesus ascends from the disciples. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking of like an Acts I'm chapter of, like, one. A, 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 Yeah. I'm thinking of like a physical movement upward. Yes. Yeah.
1: Hey, did you ever see that? Um, I think it was a TV show and it was on the book of acts. It was the same people that did, uh, I think they did the touch by an angel series. It was just a couple years ago that it came out. Of, so I think it's called the ax and it was NBC or ABC. I can't remember exactly. It was really good. And when they show the Ascension, Jesus actually doesn't go up in the sky on the show, but it it's like, there's a, a portal that opens and Jesus goes into
0: the heavenly places and stuff like that. Oh, so. he, he, he pulls a Dr. Strange yeah. <laughs> and like goes, th- goes exactly. through a portal.
1: Exactly. So. It's interesting. So, looking here at Kenneth Matthews, one of the commentaries we go to frequently here, he points out God went up indicates a visible ascension. And it is the language of theophany. There are other people, you know, that that have this happen to them. For instance, this is what happens in Genesis 35 when Jacob is having his conversation with God and God went up from him. And so this kind of language indicates that God is speaking to them in some capacity that is attuned to -to face-to-face. Now, I know when we talked in previous episodes, we've talked about what the Bible says, that no one has seen God at any time. No one is able to see the face of God and stuff like that. Yet then you have these passages, This. Um they remind me of Moses for instance we mentioned a few yeah. of these last time but for instance um this is Exodus 33:11 thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend when Moses turned again to into his camp his assistant Joshua the son of Nun a young man would not depart from the tent so even though Joshua was a big deal at this moment only Moses saw God face to face. Um, Here's another one. This is Numbers chapter 12 and verse eight. This is a very interesting story that is found. Like um, (laughs) Miriam and Aaron, the brother and sister of Moses, start getting the big head a little bit because they start judging Moses because of his Cushite wife. And so they say, hey, listen, God has spoken through us and Moses has a Cushite wife. And so they start judging Moses. And God actually says this to them, talking about Moses. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, literally mouth to mouth, mouth to mouth, in a sense, understand face to face, clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Yeah. So here we are. It's, it's one of those things. You've got all these passages that say you can't see God yet. People do see God. And then the conversation and the question becomes, well, then who are they seeing? Uh, there are some that say that this is not a theophany, but a Christophany that this is Jesus in the old Testament in human form, so to speak, speaking with Moses face-to-face, and the same thing with Abraham. Nathan is not here, so I will share with you what Nathan thinks about this. And also, I'm in agreement with him that it's better to understand this as a theophany. A theophany is an appearance of God, and if God chooses to take on human form, God is formless in his essence, but if God chooses to take on human form, he can but saying that this is a Christophany in the Old Testament is, is probably not the best language. Because one of the things that Nathan points out is that even if the essence of God the Son appears in the Old Testament, even though God the Son is going to become incarnate and become Jesus of Nazareth uh, in the mystery of the Incarnation, God the sun, God the Son, a revelation of God the Son in the Old Testament would still be a theophany because the Christ had not yet been revealed. So that's Nathan's mm-hmm. position on Are you following with what Nathan is well, saying there?
0: Yeah, well we talked about this in the first couple chapters of Genesis way back when I think. We where we talked about how there was probably not a reference to the Holy Spirit after uh, Adam and Eve have left the garden because that that just had not been revealed to them yet. Right.
1: So when it comes to Jesus, the go-to Sunday school answer is that when in doubt, just say Jesus. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's never a bad answer because we know in the mystery of the divine trinity, uh, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, we're we're never going to be able to wrap our minds around that mystery. But it seems here that Abraham actually sees the form of God in some way and and. Genesis 18, he's going to see the form of God in human flesh again, and we're going to get to that uh, next week. But it seems that he sees the form of God and then, you know, he goes up from there. So I think it should be pointed out here is that verse 22 says, when he had finished talking with God, God went up from Abraham. This does not mean that every time God spoke with Abraham, God's Abraham saw some form of physical form in front of him, places where it's just the voice of God that seems to interact with Abraham. It's not always a physical form.
0: So, yeah, I'm I'm looking, I'm looking back now at like chapter 15 earlier, and I'm not seeing where it talks about a physical form. It just seems like a, like a voice. Or physical, or if not physical, visible form. So hmm. for instance, what in verse
1: 22, it just says, God went up from Abraham. Was it a, a, an a manifestation of God in flesh and blood taking on human form? Or was it the manifestation of God showing up as he does like the angel of the Lord? We don't know. It, it it's, oh. it's mysterious here, but what's interesting. I think about stories about, for instance, Elijah, when he flees to Mount Horeb after running away from Jezebel and, you know, he sees the earthquake, he sees the fire and, you know, he hears and sees the whirlwind and God is not in any of those things. And yet God manifests himself to Elijah in a still small voice. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be a mistake for here for, for us to just take away here from this place, that the only way God talks to people is through a theophany. Because there are many ways in which God communicates to people, you know, throughout the Bible. In fact, this is acknowledged in Hebrews chapter number 11. No, excuse me, not chapter number 11. That's just one of my favorite chapters in Hebrews. Hebrews <laughs> chapter number one. And let me read this to you Hebrews one, verse one. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So the writer of Hebrews is acknowledging here, hey, listen, God spoke in a lot of different ways, but in these last times, he's spoken to us through the Christ, through Jesus. So the question would be, well, how did God talk to people in the Bible? Well, you can't really put your finger on it because there's so many different ways. It's not, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a variety. That's right. So, this is interesting to me. Abraham, the patriarchs, they are getting appearances from God. Moses gets an appearance from God. Joshua, when he meets with the commander of the Lord's army, gets an appearance from God. Um, we Solomon, he appeared to Solomon twice. Um, there, there are key players in the old Testament that God actually shows up and appears. And typically once people see God, it leads to action because look at the transition in verse 23,
0: what's the first thing that he does after God appears to him? I mean, he takes, he takes action immediately. I mean, he don't even sleep on it. It just says that very day.
1: Right. So he took he takes action and he circumcises Ishmael and all those born in his house as well as himself in verse 24 Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin So just to remind us where we've been in the previous chapter or no not in the previous chapter but the previous episode Abraham has just been promised descendants from a son from Sarah, not a son from Hagar, but a son from Sarah. That's what we looked at last time. Uh-huh. And it's interesting that God is giving Abraham circumcision as a sign of the covenant. So one of the things that i seeing here, and we talked about beforehand when we were discussing the episode, is that Abraham is circumcised before Isaac, we don't know his name yet in the text, but we know it's going to be Isaac, before Isaac is conceived. So here would be a question. <laughs> Even though this is from the white space, would Isaac have still been born had Abraham not been circumcised? What are your thoughts on that, Gandalf? This is like a chicken
0: and egg. <laughs> right. Quite question. <laughs> would would Isaac have been born had Abraham not? circumcised himself. All right. I'm looking at the text here. Here's my answer. I don't know. (laughs) Well, that's the kind of answer you're only going to hear on the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast. Right. Folks.
1: Well, when we talked about circumcision a few weeks ago, we did talk about the enigmatic passage that is talking about the circumcision of either Moses or Moses' son, presumably Gershom, after Moses has the experience in Exodus with the burning bush where his, his wife, Circumcises, seemingly Gershom, and the whole bridegroom of blood stuff like that. So circumcision is obviously a big deal as it pertains to children. But there's something I want to say here. When we think about the commands of God, one of the things that we frequently do as Westerners is that we are always wanting to to practical application. For instance, when you hear. The Ten Commandments Preached, what is typically, Gandalf, something that is talked about why you should keep the commandments of God?
0: You should keep the commandments of God because it's going, to, it's going to like lead to a better life or spare you, you know, disaster. Right.
1: It's typically presented that, hey, look, this is the way God has designed the universe. And if you follow his commandments, your life is just, you'll be, you'll be happier, healthier, wealthier, All of the above, and I'm saying this can be found across uh, Christian traditions, is that it is a blessing to keep God's commands. Uh, I hear Bible teachers that even if you do not believe in God, even if you do not believe in Christ, living according to God's commandments found in the Bible, your life will just be better because this is the way that God has designed the commandments to work. Because it indicates this is the way God has created the universe, but if we go back into last week, Gandalf, why did God say circumcision was to take place? Was it for
0: practical purposes or was it for something else? I mean if it was for practical purposes it's not it's not here because it's because the only reason given as is as a sign of the covenant right
1: so um now the whole idea of circumcision being for practical purposes, is found throughout uh, Christian history and and Jewish history. For instance, if we just look at an early church father, St. Ambrose, in talking about the circumcision of Ishmael, he focuses in on something that the text does not say. So this is St. Ambrose. He says, even the fact that Ishmael was circumcised in his 13th year is for an obvious reason. Because one who is beginning to be sexually active, keep in mind, ancient Jewish people, you were considered an adult. Once you turned 12, having the bar mitzvah, you, you, you are becoming a man because one who is beginning to be sexually active should trim the ardor of his passion. Haven't heard that phrase in a while. So (laughs) as to abstain from illicit unions and limit himself to a legitimate union only. So. As I just read St. Ambrose to you, what do you, what do you think he's saying here about circumcision?
0: Well, he's saying that like, Hey, there, there's a obvious practical reason that it needs to, that, and it's like, there's significance to it, to him, to it happening to him on his, you know, his 13th year. Right. Like, like, and I don't, I don't know, man. I I feel like I'm not smarter than St. Ambrose, but (laughs) I I don't, I I don't know. I, I feel like the reason he was circumcised in his 13th year. It's because that's how old he was when God told him to do it. Right, right? and Abraham on his 99th year. And yeah.
1: now Ambrose is not alone. There's a lot of people throughout, again, Christian and Jewish history as seeing circumcision as a practical benefit to uh, uh, encourage chastity until marriage, things like that. I think what that's doing there, and this is no disrespect to St. Ambrose, is it's searching to too ferociously for a practical
0: application for the commandments. Mm-hmm. The- oh, um, this is, it's a little sidetracked, but I hear that when talking about clean and unclean uncle- food as well. Oh, okay. Elaborate on that for a second for our well, listeners. I, I, well, like I, I hear the people talk about the reasons, the reason for there being clean and unclean food is having to do with like the unclean food being bad for people. Or, right. like not being as nutritious or whatever. And, th- and that being the primary driver behind the commandment. It's interesting
1: that you say that because you know that there are like Christian diets or, you know, biblical diets, so to speak, that eating only clean food is going to make you a healthier person. And there may be some benefits to that, but the clean and unclean stuff is not primarily about losing weight or being healthy um, or being in shape. Rather, it is acknowledging that God has been in your presence. So Mm -hmm. what is the context for this circumcision? God has just shown up and he has seen Abraham face to face. Abraham has just conversed with God and now there is going to be a sign on Abraham and all of his household. If there are, for instance, if there is something to what St. Ambrose is saying, it is the footnote, minor footnote of why Ishmael is being circumcised. Now, I, I'm i not a doctor and certainly, uh, you know, the health field is way beyond uh, my realm of expertise. Does being circumcised actually trim the ardor of male passion? I don't know, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but that's not the point of circumcision in the Bible. The point of circumcision in the Bible, according to Genesis as it is revealed, It is to show that you are in a relationship with God and that God has visited you. Now, do you know what the sign in the New Testament is that you are in right relationship with God and that God has visited you? Do you know what that is, Gandalf? Baptism. Baptism, yes. So a much uh, less painful, um, means of the sign of the covenant that we are in with God. But the same thing is true about baptism. There is this question, well, what does baptism actually do? Does it wash away your sins? Does it do this? Does it do that? And I think the answer is the same that's found in Genesis here, that the discussion about baptism is also true about circumcision. It is to be a sign that God has been amongst you. Then you are in right relationship with him. And Abraham is not being circumcised to have Isaac. Ishmael is not being circumcised to trim the ardor of his passion. They are being circumcised because God has been in their presence. And that is why this is taking place. So are there practical benefits things like that yeah well maybe so who knows i don't know but the point it's a symbol of what has taken place here and also think about abraham at 99 years old being circumcised that Mm. he was not willing to exempt himself from this practice that even at 99 years old that he went through this painful procedure because circumcision throughout the rest of the Bible will be performed on babies on their eighth day. Um, typically, there's a few passages where um, circumcision takes place amongst the adult population. But the point is this, it is a sign of the covenant. And it is not necessarily fruitful to feel like we have to find a practical application in every sign of the covenant or commandment the practical application is is you're obeying god and enjoying his presence whether or not there's side benefits for healthy lifestyle that's not the point of the text
0: yeah you're talking about missing missing the point for the practical thing you actually talked to um or actually no it was it was our our sunday school right now we're talking about the king that um Was commanded to bathe in the Jordan seven times, and he immediately was like talking about the river. What river to use when that wasn't even the point? That's what that's what that reminded me of. Yes,
1: that is Naaman who meets with Elijah. The reason he had to wash in the Jordan is not because there are healing properties in the waters of the Jordan. It's because this is what God said, and it is based on a revelation that came from a prophet, and the healing power came through responding and obeying to God's revelation not the water.
0: Yes. The benefits. No one walks away from that story and thinking, man, the, the Jordan must have some special healing powers. That's right. Which ironically, everybody in the holy land goes straight to the Jordan. (laughs) And you know what? I understand his sentiment. That's a nasty river, man. It is. I have actually been in the Jordan. You have
1: too. Uh, that is, and, and also it is so much smaller than I, you know, I was thinking like Mississippi river and it's, it's not really that big. Um, (laughs) but anyway. Well, we've wrapped up Genesis 17 here. What, why, this will not be the last time we talk about circumcision. Circumcision is a sign. The practical application is not the point. The practical application, if there is any, is to tell us and be a sign for us that God has been in our midst. That's right. Well, good stuff. Well, Nathan, we missed you. Hopefully we didn't mess it up
0: too bad. Nathan... Uh, the the time code on audacity right now says 27 minutes and 50 seconds we're under I hope you're you're proud of us yes very good (laughs) well listener um, if you would like to have more Nathan Van Horn in your podcast inbox I urge you to like and subscribe to the podcast where 99% of the time he is here and he adds so much to the podcast when he's with us so until then you guys have a great week and then we'll return next week Tuesday morning with 100% more Nathan Van Horn. Have a good one.
1: (laughs) See you next time. Shalom.
0: Yeah, there it is.